This program is produced using the resources of Public Media Network in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Learn more at publicmedianet.org. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Take a minute right now to hit that subscribe button so you always get a notification when we post a new episode. <laughs> I'm uh, Patrick Hirschberger. I am co-host today for Connecting Communities. Um, if you want to introduce yourself as host, then we'll go into guests. I am Sharon Deaver, uh, other co-host for Connecting Communities today. Guest, would you introduce yourself? My name's Joan Hawkshurst. Hey, Joan. Um, hi, it's nice to be here. I am the coordinator of a group here in town called Hope for Creation. I'm Steve Bertman, uh, um, professor at Western and um, one of the founders of Hope for Creation. Okay. So, so your founders, when did it start? Started, well, wow, 10 years ago, 2013, I think. Um, as a result of a, a Lenten series that the downtown churches, uh, First Presbyterian, organized to address how the um, how the religious community, how the spiritual community, uh, people of faith in Kalamazoo, can come together to address climate change, and so we we organized a series of four four events um, every once once a week during Lent and um, brought in different speakers and fed people food and um, uh, had great response and people there was a lot of energy of people wanting to do things and hope that was the hope for creation was the name of the Lenten series and we adopted that name for the group that persisted after that. Mm. So yeah, we've it's been ten years. Did you know at the time that you wanted to move it into something uh, with more connections through other uh, faith-based institutions? Well, the, the the original committee was very interfaith, so we definitely reached out. We tried to get representation from as many um, uh, many different communities in Kalamazoo, many different faith faith practices in Kalamazoo to um, to be part of this. So yeah, for sure, we mm. want, wanted to um, emphasize the similarities, the connections that all of the faith uh, traditions have, especially with, uh, with regard to stewardship of the natural world and uh, addressing the future of the, of the planet. Speaking of connecting, um, the name of the podcast is Connecting Communities. So how, how do you think that aligns with um, the work that you are doing with Hope for Creation? I will pass that on to Joan. <laughs> so that's a, such a great question, and I think that really is the heart of what we're trying to do, right? I mean, people, whether they're part of a faith tradition or whether they have a strong moral compass and a sense of spirituality that connects them to the planet, um, we felt like it was important to give folks who fall into those categories an opportunity to build connections, to raise their voices together, to advocate together, to really take advantage of that sort of the spiritual, religious conviction that kind of requires us to act, right? And we know that our voices are louder um, when we're unified and when we, when we work together. So a lot of the work that we do is bringing folks together. We're trying hard to cross boundaries. So 
right now there are Christian and Jewish and um, Unitarian congregations that are part of Hope for Creation, but there are also folks who don't participate in an organized religion, but find that conviction compelling, right? Um, it's not necessarily just in their brain that they believe this is, that they know it's important, they also believe in their hearts that it's important. So um, we provide meetings and webinars and um, food gathering still because we all know that food brings people together Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and opportunities to act. A lot of our, our active work lately has been around congregational gardens um, and helping get um, folks who are interested in establishing a way to either offer food to people who don't have food or offer foraging to neighborhoods or offer um, food for their congregations, ways for people to get involved in digging in the dirt to, to be involved. Could you give us a, an example of a location of something you've done recently with that? Yeah, so Allen Chapel AME Church on North Street okay. um, wanted to start an urban congregational garden and we were able to pull together, um, there's a number of master gardeners at different congregations in town. And so there was this idea that we could provide some resources, we could provide some expertise and, and basically labor and shovels and seeds. And um, if you go by their location now, it's right on the bike path as you head out of town. There's a beautiful emerging set of raised beds um, and a groundhog who apparently is persistent to come in and sharing, <laughs> sharing the bounty as well. Um, but that was one of the, the ones that we've been excited about. Lots of support from Sunnyside United Methodist, the growing community garden there. Again, community connections. Their whole goal is to build relationships in their neighborhood. With Sunnyside folks. is off of um, Gull Road. Off of Gull Road. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a huge space. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're yeah, kind of the most bigger. established. And that's yeah. been going for, for years now, right? Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. long do you think it's been running? Ooh, that's a great question for them. <laughs> but I, I mean, like it is... Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I can't get it out of my like because I used to live over off of Gull Road, mm -hmm. and I remember, um, I just always remember it being there for for years now. I would mm -hmm. say probably what over a decade plus. I think so. Yeah, yeah. and bigger and stronger yeah. every year. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they planted some fruit trees recently, um, so really um, trying to get into some more perennial plantings, mm. so a more permanent kind of uh, operation. It's pretty impressive. People might not know Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Portage has a huge amount of acreage behind their building that they're trying to keep protected from development. And so they have a big garden there and all of their produce goes to Loaves and Fishes. So they grow oh, exclusively great. for okay. the food bank. Um, awesome. Trying to think of some of the other ones. Temple Bene Israel has some raised beds out back and a great composting system that's been um, attractive to congregants there. So. And this is all volunteer based. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've spoken about some of the gardening things that you're doing. What other kinds of uh, things are you focused on or groups, uh, committee-wise or anything? Yeah, so, so the focuses of the organization seem to sort of range with the most active participants. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a common theme. Um, we had a retreat last September and really identified three areas of focus. One is advocacy. We feel like because the city has just hired a new sustainability coordinator and the county is getting ready to hire someone, that it's a great time to really try to bring people of faith and conscience into commission meetings and council meetings and trying to, to lift up the importance of really moving forward on some of the important elements of the sustainability plan. 
So advocacy, um, energy efficiency, there's, Steve can talk to that one about some of the work that's happened in congregations, and I'll stop so he can. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're on the spot, Steve. Yeah. Um, so we know that energy efficiency, reducing, reducing um, energy consumption, in terms of conservation, that's sort of the low-hanging low fruit. There's a lot of, of housing stock in Kalamazoo um, that really, really could step up its game in terms of energy efficiency and reduce the amount of energy that, that is being consumed. Um, we're also working to try to um, build consortia to, to put solar panels on the roofs of these lar often large expanses of roofs on, on churches and other uh, religious buildings. Um, maybe um, utilizing some, some um, buying power, working together. Uh, I've been working on trying to get e uh, electric vehicle charging stations in church parking lots. Um, in part, in part, again, to, to grab that low-hanging fruit, but in part to raise the awareness of people that, that um, we should be more conscious of the energy that we're using. And part of, the, part of the draw of hope for creation from the very beginning was these people are already organized, mm -hmm. right? These are already groups that know and trust each other. Not necessarily, you know, at least within within each group, what we're trying to do is build trust between between groups. In many cases, that's that already exists, but in, in others, um, we're tr we're making some inroads, right? Um, but we're already organized to raise our voice, our collective voice, and if we raise our voice for the the right things, we feel that we can we can move the needle on things that are really important for long-term sustainability and adapting to, to our future climate. Um, energy efficiency, energy use, energy consumption, these are all really important things for us to be involved in. One of the things you mentioned, you know, I realize that some of those things might be, you know, considered low-hanging fruit, but, you know, with the charging stations or solar panels, but you're mentioning these things, you know, on, on faith-based institutions, right? So that's also like, challenging norms. It's also um, putting or it's raising standards for who um, is able to be, you know, citizens, citizens of energy efficiency, um, where we may not automatically consider, hey, there's going to be solar panels on a church. You know, I would say to some that would be um, shocking, you know, just because it challenges our norms of what, and we, it raises the bar for that, but it also changes the bar in a, in a really solid way to where it becomes a n new normal. That's right. Yeah, and, and that's what we—that's what we hope to accomplish. That make making this a new normal, um, just as as any cultural change through throughout throughout the course of history. You know, there's some resistance. People are comfortable with what they know, but they're you know we, we will we must move to renewable energy, and um, there are opportunities now for for churches to take advantage of tax incentives and things like that, um, where they don't really have to put up any money up front if they allow their, their roofs to be used for, for solar installation. So yeah, so we, you know, the more, I mean, the research shows 
that in places where there are solar panels, you're more likely to get future customers, right? Because they mm -hmm. see you just seeing someone else with solar panels, like, totally oh, just that's a real it. thing? I can yeah. do that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I can save money? Now, you know, um, the cost of solar energy has come down 90% in the last 10 years. Uh, it's now the cheap for a utility scale, new construction of power. It is the cheapest option. Um, and so when people learn that they can save money and save the planet at the same time, it becomes a no-brainer. You know, we're coming up to the, we're, we're, we're approaching the point where the limiting factor is just availability of, of uh, trained installers and, yeah. and the equipment. I want to come back, if we could, though, to that idea of challenging norms and changing norms, because it's not like a church or a temple just does that, right? I think the strategy that's been pretty effective is to um, identify a handful of people in a congregation. So a lot of what we do is support green teams, right? Mm -hmm. Who are those sort of those cutting edge folks, the first folks who get the EVs, the first folks who maybe put solar panels on their homes, and they find each other in the congregation. And then if we can help support that group mm -hmm. of people to start advocating within their congregation, that's often a really effective first sign. Um, people might not know that in Kalamazoo, um, there are two recent national award winners among our congregations. Um, there's a national organization called Interfaith Power and Light. We are part of the statewide Michigan Interfaith Power and Light. And last year, Temple B'nai Israel won a Cool Congregations Award for the whole country for its work on EV chargers. Um, this year, People's Church won the um, uh, cool plan, carbon plan, the, the, the work that they're doing to low, lower the carbon footprint of their congregation was nationally recognized. So it's, so it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. That. yeah. Awesome. Um, so you spoke about advocacy and energy efficiency. What was the third focus that you're working on right now? Well, <laughs> I just really wanted to know that. I just got to make sure before we get too far. <laughs> well, and that again comes back to the idea of building relationships, right? That, um, both within congregations, identifying those folks and lifting them up who are gonna be the ones advocating for change, and also starting to practice building relationships across congregations, right? So whether it's across religious differences or across racial differences, across neighborhoods, across socioeconomic levels. Um, one of our most recent projects was reading as a group the book, The Intersectional Environmentalist mm -hmm. by Leah Thomas, who is a young black advocate who um, talked about how um, alone she felt as, as a person of color in the environmental movement and how we really needed to be able to see the intersections of the housing crisis and um, racism and energy challenges and climate change and poverty. And so we've spent a lot of time really trying to figure out who are the voices who are missing from our conversations, who are the voices here in Kalamazoo that, that we can find and listen to that maybe we haven't as mostly, honestly, middle-class white congregations. So we really do have an intention right now to build relationships across difference in order to make sure that we're including everybody in the opportunity to do this work. Okay. And so the green teams, uh, I just want to picture that. My understanding is each different congregation or religious group we're not, we're not green 
<laughs> okay. Just want to be clear. So, so each church or, or group, um, uh, religious building, they would have the several people that are focused on this specifically, and then those are the people that are also connecting with the rest of Hope, Cre Hope for Creation, or is that is that kind of how it's structured? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll start in just a second. Okay, okay. Bit, um, I will. So um, typically there's a green team that's active in the congregation and maybe one or two representatives of that team comes to represent the congregation at our monthly planning committee meetings. And those are the places where we really compare notes and prioritize and strategize for the work that we're doing. We've hosted a number of different events, mostly recently Zoom webinar kinds of events. Um, for green teams to be able to share their, their experiences, whether it's with putting solar panels on the roof or building compost or, or building community gardens that they use and, um, or develop um, um, figuring out how to reduce their energy consumption. And green burial, we did one. We We've did done them on religious education from a creation care perspective. So. Yeah, so, so we're not, you know, we're, we're not actively you know, bringing the, we're not, we're not hosting meetings of the green teams, not but, okay. but we're providing opportunities for them to come together to get, to meet each other and to talk about common commonalities. Okay. Um, and then another big piece of what we do is the big community celebrations, right? So um, in June, we will host our third annual congregational garden tour where we actually spotlight and visit different gardens around town um, that are doing, or, or congregations that are doing something cool in terms of land use, right? So we visited Sky Ridge Church of the Brethren when, when, they, when their congregation was involved in sort of a discernment process. They have these beautiful grounds. They were thinking about a labyrinth. They were thinking about an orchard. They were thinking about um, drainage issues. They were thinking about um, fruit and, and vegetable gardens. So just, um, there's one example. We visited the composting system at Temple Benazio. We visited um, Allen Chapel to see a real sustainable urban garden that's growing up from the a pavement. Um, and so, so the garden tour, and then we do a big harvest of unity in the fall where we bring together the congregations, we celebrate the bounty of the earth, and the first two times we've done it, we've invited local clergy to come and speak about the harvest from their faith-based perspective, right? So this last year, it was really fun to hear the different interpretations of similar passages just from the perspective of um, different congregations and the way that they are um, caring for the creation around them. Before we get too far from this, you mentioned a funeral. Oh, Green Burial. Yes. That was one of the Green Team webinars that we did because there are folks in town who are trying to establish less um, uh, toxic, more earthy ways of being buried and trying to make sure that there are places and regulations in town where people actually can choose that option well, for themselves. Well, and that's themselves. the thing for a lot of these things. You aren't locally able to do that. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. my partner and I have both looked at potentially doing something where, you know, we where it, I think it's a rot field, or they, mm. they watch you decompose. Mm. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's alternates to your typical to burial. So I right. guess, like, how, and I don't want to get too into it on this, but, like, <laughs> how, do you, how, how did you focus on that here um, as far as the green aspect of it? 
Um, two answers. One is there's a whole hour-long webinar on our YouTube channel that um, that will that actually interviews folks in the community who have done the work of making sure there are plots in their cemetery. I think what's the one on West Main on, across from K? That uh, I know our congregation oh, cemetery. has now permission to do green burial right there. What does green um, burial mean? Um, well, no embalming. No embalming. No casket. No, um, they. Uh, I forget what they call the sort of concrete, the concrete box that they that they would put the casket in. Okay. So it's um, a simple shroud. sort of um, shroud, and into the dirt. Biodegradable materials. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thanks. Sorry. Yes. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll. And absolutely. Yeah. They, you can. You can get from, my ears. from our website. You can get to information about that. That's well. great. So that's on the YouTube channel. What are other ways that people can connect social media wise to what you're doing? We do have a Facebook page, Hope for Creation. Website, HopeForCreation.net. Interestingly, it must be a good name because there's another Hope for Creation in Wisconsin. So hmm. you have to sort of look for the Hope for Creation SWMI, Southwest Michigan, okay. to find us. Um, but those are two good ways. From what I'm hearing, like your organization is a resource hub. Um, and so how do you, and a lot of these resources either take funding or mm -hmm. they take knowing about you know grants or projects where people can utilize either you know federal or state or other items for that like how do you how do you connect people to those resources and especially some of the things like you mentioned about like solar um, where it's a lower no cost um, do you do you work with parties um, uh, that allow those resources to be utilized well we have we have monthly um, meetings of the you know, whoever in the steering committee or whoever wants to, whoever wants to show up. Um, and then we host these, these webinars. Um, we have a, a weekly, would you say, is it weekly bulletin? You know, email uh, blast that goes out with opportunities. Um, this, this weekend we're having kind of a retreat brainstorm strategy session to define the, the priorities for the next year or two. Um, so we try to utilize the social medias. Um, we do a lot of, you know, face-to-face um, -face kind of networking. Um, that's a, a big part of the building the community is, is developing that communication network where if a, an opportunity or a good idea comes up that is sort of like the modern version of a phone tree. Yeah, you can travel quickly right. yeah. Yeah, just because you have that knowledge base already installed. That's yeah. right, and, and people are already organized. They're yeah. already used to coming to, coming to church, mm -hmm. or at least, at least the people of our generation are. Yeah. You know, one, of, one of the things that we really would like to do in the future is figure out how we believe that most people have some sense of of a, of, of, an, of of an existence beyond what what we you know think in our minds but we think about it in very different ways different generations think about it in different ways and you know for us 
that that building and the weekly event at the building was was a big deal but for for younger people that's not as important and, and so we're trying to figure out ways to reach those people um, who again have this sense of of conscience of moral compass however you want to describe it um, who want to see real action on climate change um, so we say, yeah, people of faith and conscience are welcome. People with a congregation, people without. Um, we recognize that, yeah, there's a there's a spiritual component to life that that transcends lots of ways of thinking about it, and all are welcome to be part of this work if they feel that in any way. I think you were asking about um, funding, grants. Yeah, because a lot of this stuff just costs money, right? right. So, like, but I mean, right. with anything. You know, with anything you know financially related, especially for either be energy or what have you, um, a lot of these things have a centered, you know, either grant funding or there's some mm -hmm. elements to where you can pull from either you know public or private investments in order to make these things happen. You can't answer that anyways with with by saying, you know, because of our knowledge base and how we spread the spread mm -hmm. that. Like if you're aware of a program, you can spread that through your organization. Right. So I guess like, do you is that is that a focus of what you do? by searching out these items that could potentially be used, you know, to propel that into um, assistance for um, energy efficiency, et cetera? Or is, that, is not, that not something you, you know, put a focus on? Right, well, I think there's a direct and an indirect answer to that maybe. And, you know, we really are, um, I do want to lift up the Kalamazoo Community Foundation's Love Where You Live Environmental Fund, because that was a grant that Hope for Creation applied for three and a half years ago that funded my 10 hour a week position, right? Mm. So until that point, until 2019, it was a completely all volunteer effort. Um, and so then there was a grant written um, that really allowed the organization to get some kind of stability. Um, then we were able to write another grant to the Congregation of St. Joseph. Um, Nazareth College, the Sisters of St. Joseph over there in Gold okay. Road, yeah. their national organization that really wanted to fund some of the bridge building through gardening. So that was a source of income. Um, that allowed us to hire um, a part-time communications person who's also, who's running those websites and, and social media things. Um, so, so the funding to have an organization has been very generously provided by local folks. There's another family foundation, the Masara Family Foundation, that's been really um, generous because of their commitment to conservation and education. Um, so that's one piece of the answer. The other piece is, um, yes, I think that we are always kind of polling congregations and, and folks to see, like, where's the interest? What can we do to work together, to write grants together, to, um, to build capacity, to be able to do some of the practical, tangible things? Yeah right, alongside the advocacy things, um, which are about time, right, mm -hmm. and about organizing. Um, and then the other, we talk about the three legs of, our, of the stool that we stand on, right, and advocacy is one of them, and the practical, tangible improvements that we need to make to mitigate climate change. And then for us, the spiritual, um, sort of faith-based, relational piece of it is the other, other leg of the stool. You mentioned, um, switching back, I guess, um, the weekly uh, uh, weekly things that you send out to say what else, what is going on and how people can connect. Is that um, an email list that's 
someone's managing. So do you have an idea of what the size of that email list is? <laughs> yeah, I think 300, 400 in that area. Um, yeah, so slowly growing. Um, but when you think about the number of congregations in town, you can realize that there are folks, lots of folks who aren't um, coming directly, showing up to things, but they're still getting the information. Mm -hmm. Yep, right. So at least the green team people would hopefully be on that email and then they can share it with other people that mm -hmm. might not be getting the weekly info, but right. it can just spread out from there. Right. 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 Awesome. One of the things I guess we're kind of known for is, is being part of the volunteer power for the quarterly EPS foam recycling. Um, and sitting through the um, Environmental Concerns Committee meetings that yeah. led to that happening. So that was one example of those kind of tangible advocate, advocating things that, that um, was important to folks in our congregations. Imagine coffee hour after church, how many people are holding that styrofoam cup and we're trying to figure out ways to get them not do that anymore, but also if <laughs> they are, to make sure that we're getting keeping those out of landfills. Did you, um, uh, in, in for the recycling program um, for EPS, did that um, get the ball rolling? And then I know that they also branched out with like KVCC. There's a site there now as well, besides just at Growler Stadium. But was your organization up? Uh, your organization has been a part of that through and through for for both programs. Is it the same program, or are they separate? I know that that Rick has been reaching out to campuses looking for more other people. Uh, more people to do more, the same thing yeah um, and yeah. helping make those connections yeah mm -hmm. can we you know I just want to back up just like real quickly um, explain um, you know just for our people listening and viewers like what is EPS recycling hmm. and not, not in a broad you can do stance, the chemistry but term right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um, EPS uh, is the generic term for styrofoam. Styrofoam is a brand name. Um, but it, it's basically styrofoam, and styrofoam, because of its chemical composition, is um, not as easy to recycle as other types of plastics and can't be mixed in with those other types of plastics when recycled. And so for many years, there was no option for recycling styrofoam. But it can be recycled, it just has to be separated from the uh, the rest of the plastic waste stream. Is it number six on the recycle? Is that? Yes, <laughs> so let me answer this, I think, um, a little bit. But uh, EPS is expanded polystyrene, so it is number six in the resin code, but th that's also polystyrene, which is the hard plastic, number six. So another reason uh, single stream recycling usually doesn't accept it because it's so bulky. Um, so even though it can be recycled. So yeah, they, they advocated to, to make it happen here. And now there are congregations that have whole rooms or whole sheds, like their, their members oh, awesome. are bringing the stuff every week to, to services and storing it up and then it gets taken to this big trailer with the beautiful yep. mural on it. And um, <laughs> folks from the community are there collecting it. And it's just, it's a beautiful example of that, what people can do when they when they believe in something and they're willing to commit time and energy to it, right? So, I do want to mention um, the it is quarterly. I do believe mm -hmm. um, you can always check if you're in Kalamazoo City View from the Curb publication. You can also look on the Kalamazoo City website, KalamazooCity.org, or call three one one to you know get that schedule. 
to ask when the next ones are. Yeah. Right. And um, if you're part of a congregation that isn't currently collecting, you might want to think about whether or not your congregation could become a place where your members could bring it in the interim, right? Because quarterly is not that often. Mm -mm. And like you said, it's bulky. So yeah. places that have space are nice places to hold it in the interim. And if there were such congregations <laughs> and they had questions or wanted some hand-holding, we, Hope for Creation, would be happy to, uh, to do that. Awesome. So they should just reach out and get in touch with us. Yeah, I know since it's only quarterly, I heard some people are collecting it just like the week before so that one person can mm -hmm. be that main point to mm -hmm. bring the, all of it over to those drop-off well, dates. I think we might need a second trailer from <laughs> the way the last one went. I just, Pat, I just, I was driving by it this week and I, you just look underneath There's the trailer and it's so much. But I mean, it's all bagged and everything, yeah, which is great, right, but like, right. it was, it was a haul. Right. People are into it, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Next, year-round composting, right? Yep. <laughs> Next, I mean, so it's just, a, it, I feel like there's so many things that we can do better together that way. And congregations are kind of uniquely organized to be part of the solution. Awesome. Um, so you also mentioned um, that the projects can kind of ebb and flow depending on who, who's um, motivated to make those things happen. Um, are there any really cool things that maybe aren't happening anymore but got started because of because of Hope for Creation that you can think of? While you think about that, I want to say a really <laughs> cool thing that is happening that okay, we haven't yeah, touched sure. on yet, which is we have a group of really passionate, excited vegans who are really working hard to disseminate fun, um, delicious, plant-based recipes. They call themselves purposefully plant-based. Um, and um, our website has a whole bunch of beautiful recipes with photographs and easy, simple things that people can do and recipes that people are bringing from their own gardens. Um, and so that's just one of the, uh, um, it, that just grew out of some folks who were very, very excited about eating lower on the food chain because of the Reading Together book, Jonathan Safran Four, when, um, what was it called? We Are the Weather. We Are the Weather. And, and that whole idea of um, lowering your own carbon footprint by choosing what you put into your body um, really resonated with folks and they got excited about that. So. Awesome. I didn't know that's where that came from, but mm -hmm. that's cool. <laughs> Can you think of anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, pre-pandemic, we we used to host large gatherings with with pretty high profile speakers um, to try and bring people in. But I think that especially after the pandemic with, you know, people getting so used to being able to do things remotely that that those kinds of large, large gatherings with, uh, you know, keynote speakers um, don't don't get as much traction as mm. they used to, so we we've stopped we've stopped doing that. We we used to host um, sort of periodic breakfasts, um, in the same kind of vein, you know, getting people together to just talk in an informal setting. We haven't done that in in a while. Um, I don't know how much this was because of the pen the pandemic <laughs> that we just got yeah. out of the practice yeah. of it. There hasn't been a clamoring to bring that back. I think another area that um, has ebbed and flowed a little bit, mm, 
maybe with the academic schedule, maybe with the individuals who are involved, is the idea of um, eco-grief, like the, the lamentations are a big part of some spiritual, some religious scriptures, but that idea that we just have to express the grief and the rage and the pain that comes with watching our planet dying before us um, and, and, and finding ways to ground ourselves again in hope. Um, that, that's a piece that has kind of ebbed and flowed depending on um, the spiritual leaders who've been involved in the work with us. And also, there's this really cool group on Western's campus, um, Climate Cafes, mm -hmm. the, the student organization that that's, um, came and did one of those with our Hope for Creation folks to just give people a chance to release some of the emotion that there is around these issues. So. Oh. Um, what what occurred with that? Like, I mean, just. Was it a, just a, a meeting ground? Was it music? Was it talking talking with each other? Like, wh what was the event? Yeah, so I think every climate cafe is probably different depending on who's leading it and who the participants are. But the idea is to have a space where um, the focus is not on action, but on expressing uh, ex expressing emotions, having a, a safe place to just talk about um, how you're feeling and not how how to fix it but just sure. just a giving release. giving space to release that into the you know into the world um, and so for us um, it w yeah we, s we sat in, in a circle and w there were facilitators who you know laid the ground rules and 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 sort of um, gave some prompts prompting Ooh. questions to get people to just talk about um, it's very popular on Western's campus with the students. Um, I've not been involved in one with the students, so I don't know how different it is, but I think it's got to be different than middle-aged Well, and I think people. one of them, again, you know, hope for creation is our name for a reason, right? And one of the hopeful things that came out of that intergenerational experience was current college students hearing the grief and rage and pain that people our age are feeling but maybe sometimes don't know that we should be expressing so that there could be that sort of shared experience and they didn't feel alone then, right? They're mm -hmm. like, oh, oh, there are people who care and who have strong faith <laughs> commitments to try to um, do what we can in small and large ways. It's so easy to get in our own peer groups, mm -hmm. you know, and some of that relies mm -hmm. on age to see that mm -hmm. barrier broken can be really refreshing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's another place where, I mean, how many institutions are there where people of all different ages still come together? And I think that's something that congregations and communities of faith really can offer. We're wrapping up. Yeah, was there anything that we haven't discussed uh, so far that you were really hoping that you could speak to today? Well, I'm not sure how clearly we said it, but um, it's a very open, um, fluid organization that always welcomes perspectives. Um, 
You know, we have really good representation of um, sort of mainline Protestant denominations, um, and Jewish congregations, Unitarian congregations. Um, it would be wonderful if someone watching or listening to this who is part of um, a Pentecostal church or the Hindu faith or, I mean, we would really love to find ways to m make it known that um, we are respectful and inclusive, again, of people from all different faith traditions and of people who have a strong spiritual foundation um, to come and do this work with us. It can only be better the more of us there are. What's the best resource to get a hold of you? If you can get to our website, which is hopeforcreation.net, um, there's a way to uh, volunteer, there's a way to donate, there's a way to get more information. Okay, thank you. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was yeah. wonderful to have both of you here tonight to talk about this. Yeah, thanks yeah. for the invitation. Yeah, thanks so much. It was fun.